Hi guys, this is Laura with the trigger warnings for this episode. We're putting warnings on for discussions of torture, religion, neurodiversity, and dystopian societies. So take care of yourselves and please enjoy this episode. Well, you know what? You've got dreamboat eyes. Listen, you go right on wearing your glasses. I don't think I want anyone else to see what gorgeous eyes you have. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. Reading Rainbow. Hello. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, okay, sorry. Um, so it's the last, <laughs> sorry, I'm like both not, I'm like giving a pre-introduction before like what I'll actually include in the introduction, but it's also exactly what I'm going to include. But you know, like it is the final episode of season three. Of 2022. Yeah, of 2022. And I think that you, Laura, my co-host should do this with absolutely monotone, like no yucks nothing i'm not gonna make a joke this entire episode hello alora hello and i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> waver between it. matching that and then like and then coming in and out of it like because i'll i'm definitely a mirror like if someone's doing yeah, something yeah, yeah. i'll do it too of course but also i'm a mirror too so when we're together we just bounce back and forth <laughs> I'm Laura, that's Laura, and I have no emotion in my voice right now, currently, as we speak. Welcome to Reading Rainbow, the podcast where we discuss books that you were supposed to read in high school and or middle school or wherever school, and we talk about why it was worth it, why wasn't it worth it, and we just talk shit about books. Pretty much. Okay, that's it. I'm good. I'm, I'm putting emotion back into my voice. All right. Okay, so basically, basically uh... we've traveled long and far. Long and far <laughs> to get here. Uh, we traveled through blizzards and overnight layovers and stuff like that to just to get to where we live. Um, and we're yeah. calling each other from our hometowns, which is it's a real blast to the freaking past, I have to say. Weird stuff. All right. Well, you said that you are low energy and I'm now just like angry energy. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I'm a mirror, my... so I'm also angry. Yeah, sorry if everything I come I say comes out pretty curt and just like boom, straight to the point. But mm. basically, yes, we're here and We're queer. We're queer, we're here. Uh the book that we read was A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle. Well, right? And there is a there is an apostrophe in there. It's Langle. And did you ever have to read this in school? I'm gonna just start off with that. Yeah, no, I did I never did. Um and but I had seen the 2003 movie, and I recently looked it up just to, like, see what it was about again. Yeah. Can't find it anywhere. Like, mm. I found it on IMDb, but, like, I can't find out how to... It's not on any streaming platforms that I know of. Right. But on IMDb, it says that the movie is four hours and 11 minutes what? long. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Are you serious, bro? That's and then a, it's a very later, short book. if you book. look it up on Google... Well, yeah, when then you look it up on Google and they're like, yeah, that's not true. It's like two hours and eight minutes long. So I don't know <gasps> what they're talking about. But I can't even go and find it to watch it because right. it's not on any streaming platform. To verify. But anyways, I did watch. I didn't ever read the book, but I watched the movie. And as a kid, that movie terrified me. And I have mm. not seen the 2018 version, which is directed by Anna or Anna, maybe. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, DuVernay. Okay. 
and is a star-studded cast. And also, I'm a little racist because I saw the movie and was like, oh, like I saw the movie many years ago and just while I was reading this, was like, oh yeah, that movie has Whoopi Goldberg. Nope, different <laughs> black woman. So, no. my bad. Oprah uh, Winfrey. <laughs> it's, um, Alf, well, no, 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 not the 2018. I'm talking about the two, 2003. Oh. I mean, I'm still wrong. It is not Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. It's, um, Alfred... Alfred Woodard or something like that. I do not know how to pronounce her name, and my computer stopped working. Oh God! <laughs> Don't be looking Google up. Chrome is not having it. Um, it doesn't matter. So no, I have not read this book. Okay. Um, I have. So in fourth and fifth grade, our teacher, because I had the same teacher both grades, she did read aloud sometimes. So she would like read. A whole book over just, I don't know, however long it took. Um, and you could just put your head down or whatever. You Like, she did not want you to go to sleep, but you could just sit there. And listen, yeah, that was like podcasting for kids. That was like Netflix. That was like the best time, right? Because like you, nothing's expected of you. You don't have to think. You just sit there and receive information. It's great. So, uh, Wrinkle in Time was one of the books. And um, I had very fond memories of it. Uh, I loved it hearing it read aloud as a kid uh we'll get into it but every time i've read it since has my opinion of it has gone down <laughs> it oh, does no. not hold up to my memories um of how good it was <laughs> and i have never i don't think i've seen the 2003 one i looked at a picture of it and it didn't look familiar but i have seen the 2018 one which also my opinion went even further down after watching that <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie like i'm not trying to hate women especially because that is like it's a it is a feminist, yeah, like film, right? Yeah, yeah. But I saw the trailer and I said, "I'm not gonna watch this right now." I will. I'll say now, like I would be interested in seeing it yeah. now after I've read it. But at the time in 2018 when it came out, I was like, "Actually, I'm gonna go continue to hate women." Oh my god! <laughs> actually, oh okay. Um, that was a choice. That was a 2018 choice. Uh, it was, yeah. it's a story that very much got Disney-fied, you know what I mean? Where yeah. everything just got sanitized, but also the saturation of the colors were, like, ratcheted up to a thousand percent. Um, so everything's it very, was... just too colorful and too bright. <laughs> well, I think it was also the same time that, like, th another movie was, oh, yeah, because 2018, I was in Thailand, and it was yeah. around the same time that, like, that Nutcracker, uh, like, Clocks on the Wall movie was coming out, and they looked the same because they were just, like, Disney-ified, color-saturated, like... Nutcracker, Clocks on the Wall. <laughs> it was... That's not what it was called. I'm not gonna find it. It was, like... Are you talking about the Nutcracker movie with, like, the girl who played Renesmee? <laughs> the house with a clock in its walls. What is that um, It had Jack Black and Claire... And Kate Blanchett, and what? <laughs> I don't see the girl who played Renesmee in here. I mean, that was the Nutcracker movie. <laughs> I'm talking about the house with the clock in its walls. Came out around the same time, and they both—no offense—and I haven't seen both, and I'm willing to watch both now. But they both looked kind of like hot trash. I've never seen this post, this promotional poster in my freaking life. What is that movie about? What is that movie about? What are any of these movies about? Okay, I have the book fact. Uh, we can say a lot about this book, you know, yeah. like, the critical reception of it was pretty, like, 
Some people said it wasn't Christian enough. Some people said it was too Christian. Mm-hmm. Some people said it promoted witchcraft. It has been on the banned book list of, you know, like a huge big band book. But it's also like breaking through barriers because it is a sci-fi book with a female protagonist, which was mm-hmm. groundbreaking and all of that. But instead, my book fact will be that uh, Madeline Langle based the Murray family, which is our protagonist's family, Somewhat based on her own family. Oh. That's what I'll say. Okay. And also, there's like a, a like an intro and an after, a forward and afterward in the book that I listened, in the version that I listened mm-hmm. to, which also puts a lot of things into context. I did. I also did. That's my book fact. Mine also had a forward and afterward. Was it about, one was by her granddaughter. The granddaughter. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, my author fact, so, she had a pretty interesting life. She was born in New York City, but lived in Europe also for a time. I think her family was rich because she had a lot of governesses and boarding schools and stuff like that. Um, but then she eventually got married, and she did have a few novels published before her 40th birthday, at which point she said that, I'm going to give up writing. Uh, but then that's that was before A Wrinkle in Time got published, which was two years later past her 40th birthday uh and she continued to write dozens of books after that so never give up kids <laughs> it's never too late and in particular uh a wrinkle in time was written during a period where she um was on a cross-country trip with her family so she was married and she had kids and stuff and they were moving for her husband and they were like camping along the way so she was exposed to all this nature and all these different types of like landscapes and stuff and and that's what they mentioned in the afterward by the granddaughter cool. yeah um, okay, here is what the Goodreads blurb looks like. Uh, A Wrinkle in Time, Time Quintet Number 1 by Madeline Langle, or La Angle. Uh, it was a dark and stormy night. Out of this wild night, a strange visitor comes to the Murray house and beckons Meg, her brother Charles Wallace, and their friend Calvin O'Keefe, on a most dangerous and extraordinary adventure, one that will threaten their lives and our universe. Winner of the 1963 Newbery Medal, A Wrinkle in Time is the first book in Madeline Langle's classic time quintet. And blurb. That brings up a good point, that this is one book out of five. and Which I did not know. Which um, I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> I don't know, just because to show you that the oldest child is always the best. Yeah, one well, also shows that, like, just because you can write more doesn't mean you should <laughs> But you know what? That was rude. I'm oh sorry. My God. Um, oh my God. Laura, what would you, how would you summarize it if you put it into your own words? If I put it in my own words, I would sit you down and be like, listen, listen, bitch. Um, this book is about Meg. Wow. <laughs> listen when I'm talking to you is what I would Listen, say. you bitch. <laughs> sit down. Um, okay. So this book is about Meg Murray. That's the protagonist. She's a 13 year old girl who, um, you know, is really in the throes of 13 year oldhood. Um, cause she's very self-conscious about herself. Mm. She does not think she does well in school. She's got a hot temper. She thinks she's a weirdo. Um, it's a really hard life. And her, what does not help is that her parents are both geniuses because her dad's this famous physicist. This, her mom's this famous, uh, like some type of biologist. Um, so everybody's expecting her to be a genius too, but she's just not, you know, you're human. Um, however, her father was doing some work for the government and went missing a year ago. But everybody just kind of thinks he skipped down his family and that they're in denial. They're sad and losers. And that's pretty, pretty sad. So 
Anyway, Meg has two younger brothers who are 10 and they're twins, Sandy and Dennis, and they're just kind of there in the book. And then there's Charles Wallace, a man, a child with two first names, uh, who's six years old. Um, and so her Charles Wallace is a little special because it's he can basically read minds. I don't, I'm not going to try to build up to it. He reads minds and uh, doesn't really bother like letting... He's really smart and very articulate and things like that, but everybody else outside he's the family... He's precocious. Yeah, precocious. Everybody outside the family, though, thinks he's, like, not smart and can't talk and, like, all these things. And so they're like, oh, he's kind of weird. Um, so then Meg physically fights boys older than her over that because, you know, honor and stuff. Um, and apparently she's really good at it because the other boys get injured and stuff. So anyway, you know, kid stuff. Um, so at the beginning of the story, it's like a... They're, they're kind of in the middle of all this, but then... Charles Wallace mentions that he's met Mrs. Whatsit, and Mrs. Whatsit is this old lady who comes crashing into their house in the middle of the dark and stormy night with a bunch of just random clothes. She just acts weird. She is very eccentric, but before she leaves, she talks to their mom and says, hey, by the way, there is such a thing as a tesseract, and then yeets out, and the mom is like, oh, shook. Um, <laughs> or that's something that her and Meg's dad, who his name is dad, um, were working on because, you know, secret government, super cool science stuff. So Meg's a little yeah. shook, a little weirded out. Um, her school, her edu- her school is full of really bad educators because she gets mad at her teacher for like being picked on and gets called to the principal's office. And then he just bugs her about her dad leaving and she gets mad at him and he gets like mad because she's being rude to him. And it's like, hey, man, you provoked this child <laughs> into trauma. So uh, I don't know about that, dude. But then um, this other kid, Calvin O'Keefe, shows up in their land it is like i was compelled to come here and he's also special in some way it's kind of undefinable but he and charles wallace just kind of get each other you know uh and then mrs what's it appears and she's like we gotta go to your dad and then they test her away so they're on another planet so here um they're talking to mrs what's it mrs who and mrs witch and they are these like alien centaur beings and really honestly what i thought of when they were described that way, was the Andalite from Animorphs. It's just blue centaur aliens. Yeah. Um, and they explain to the kids that there's evil out there. Um, they show them that there's this like big black cloud around that planet and around Earth, and it's just evil incarnate. It makes them feel bad and super scared. It like scares them out of their wits. Um, so they explain that, yeah, this thing is spreading across the galaxies, Um but, like, Earth is fighting it, and they're like, guess who's fighting it? And they're like, Jesus. And they're like, yes. Yep. They're like, you know what? You know what? The big man upstairs, is uh, he's fighting it, too. Yeah. Everyone's fighting it. <laughs> even Jesus? Yep, even, even Jesus. Jesus. Well, what about, <laughs> what about what about God's son? Well, that's still Jesus, so yes, him, too. <laughs> that's also well, what God, about, just so you know. <laughs> and they're like, what about Mary's son? Well, that's, that's still Jesus, God. so yes, we've established Jesus is fighting. Pretty much. Thank you. And Gandhi and Buddha and Einstein and all these other people. <laughs> Pretty much anyone who's anyone is fighting. Yeah, essentially. Like if you know their name, they're fighters. He de- like it's ju- they just make it seem like everybody's fighting it. Um, so that's just one of many, 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 many Christian illusions in this book. Um, but anyway, mm. they move on and they're like, "Well, your dad mm. was one of them, and he's stuck on Camazots, so we have to go and get him." So then they test their, the kids away to Camazots, where conveniently Mrs. Who, Mrs. What's It, and Mrs. Which, Mrs. Whatever, um, 
cannot go. They're like, listen, we are going to go in there and we're not going to follow you. And if you need help, we're not going to rescue you. See you later, kids. We can't help you. No, we can't. We shan't. It's, <laughs> it's real brutal. So then these kids are just dropped off um, and they're on the edge of... A- well, no, no, no. So, well, okay. Before they do leave, yeah. they're like, we can't help you. We won't help you, maybe. But, yeah. uh, but they're like, if you need... Like, we will give you three... You will each get a gift from us. Yep. Because we can't help you. Oh yeah. And so they're like, they're like, uh, Calvin, who who's like, yeah, the jock. Yeah. But he's like, but I'm actually different, like you guys, and I relate he's to sensitive. you guys way more because it's hard. Yeah. He's like, I'm a sensitive boy. Um, and then, like he, they're like, Calvin, you're a great communicator. What a special <laughs> power. And then they're like, that's your power. Go out and to Camazots and communicate. (laughs) And, like, he's the only one who can get through to Charles Wallace sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a penis thing. And then they're like, Charles Wallace, you're too smart for your own good. Like, you need to, like, be careful. Don't... What is it? They're they're just like... You're arrogant. It'll be your downfall. (laughs) Yeah. Your downfall. And then they're like, and Meg... Your flaws are your power. And she's like, well, this fucking sucks. Yeah. And then they give her some glasses. (laughs) And they're like, use these in your time of need. (laughs) And then then they send them away into Camazot. Okay, I'm done. It's No, uh, thank you for reminding. How could I forget the super helpful thing? You, your pride will be your downfall. You, you're a good communicator. Put that on your resume. (laughs) They're like, you keep mansplaining. Go on ahead. You, you're super flawed and insecure and it's all good. Here's some glasses that you don't need because you already have them. Um, And then they they just go into Camazots. And at first, what they're in is like a suburb place because there's houses and streets and like humanoid looking people. Um, And there's kids. It's this scared me as a child. There's a child on every driveway and they're bouncing balls like in unison. Exactly. Like every like in time. Yeah. Together, Um, which it takes them a second to figure it out. But that's kind of something you would notice right away. I don't know. Um, And then all the moms call them into dinner at the exact same time, Um, except for this one kid who kind of is just he's just not with the beat. and these kids, like Meg and Charles He's Wallace, different. are like different. Let's go find. Like they're just like let's go. Uh, <laughs> see, let's go gather information. Um, so they grab the ball and they knock on the door, and the mom's super suspicious because she's like, "There's nothing wrong. We have all our papers in order. What do you need?" Uh, and they're like, "This is your kid's ball," and she's like, "No, it's not." And then um, the kid comes and gets it, and they're in big trouble. So they. Um, she slams the door shut, and they're like, "Whoopsie!" Even though they definitely got that family in huge mega trouble. Um, so they head further into Camazots, and then it becomes like a metropolis because it's like downtown and people are walking like to and fro everywhere and they're in business suits or whatever. Um, and they kind of just like, it's really inexplicable how they like make their way to the place they need to be, but they just kind of keep asking questions. Um, mm-hmm. Like they see this guy and he's just like, I'm a speller. Uh, I'm here to educate kids, but you guys are in trouble. So you're going to the... What is it? The he's, You're going to the reset office. Um, they Yeah, so they get to this place, and there's this one guy there, a human man with, like, red eyes. And it's kind of creepy because he's talking like a weirdo to them, and they're like, we're here for our father. And he's like, let me into your brain, kids. And um, Charles Wallace says, I can do it. I can go in, and I can get back out again. Because um, he kind of tries to suck all their brains in, and Meg and... Um, Calvin are like struggling and stuff. So Charles Wallace just like flings himself into the the big mega brain and it's it's over. Um, 
so then Charles Wallace is being mind controlled and he's like totally casual about it. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm totally normal and happy. And Meg's like, you're not Charles Wallace. And he's like, obviously I am. Wink. <laughs> um, yeah. So then Charles Wallace is like, well, you want to see your father? Let's go. So they find their, um, Meg's dad in this like transparent column. So he's just in a cell and she can't like get to him and he can't see her. So she takes the glasses out and she's like, this is probably when I'm supposed to use them. So she puts those on her head and then is able to get into her dad. Yeah, well, because it like lets her see through matter or something like that yeah. and like walk through ma- matters mm-hmm. or like see barriers that normal human eyes can't see. So she like runs straight into the wall where a wall should be, but she's like able to break through and yeah. be with her dad. Yeah. So they reunite. And after some finagling, like he has to put the glasses on, she has to go on his back. Like they get back out. He testers himself, dad, Calvin and Meg, but leaves Charles Wallace <laughs> behind on Kamazots. Mm. So, um, so Meg at this point is like traumatized in several ways. One, because her dad is not as good as a of a test server, I guess, as the Mrs. Whatever's. So he um she kind of like brushes through the evil and is paralyzed. Like her body is not doing good. Um also she's mad at him because he left Charles Wallace behind and um she like does not let up on him. She's like, You abandoned him. <laughs> like all these things. Um and so they're on this other planet, and these, like, beasts come, and I remember these distinctly. They are furry, tentacled, blind creatures um, that smell pleasant, <laughs> apparently, because they're, like, super gentle, and they, like, bathe Meg and, like, get her new clothes that are super soft and stuff. So she goes to the spa, and they have this discussion where, like, I don't know, they just decide that Meg has to go back alone. Um, and that's just the way it has to be. There's not really another explanation but she tells her dad don't abandon me like you abandoned charles wallace and with that she's off <laughs> she's she, back to, yeah, right fuck. back into camazots by the mrs whatever's again and they remind her that um she has something that the evil doesn't have um oh by the way the evil is like a big brain in a jar <laughs> um yep, that controls classic. everybody yeah classic just like in fairly odd parents so um they just her back to it and see Charles Wallace, and he's like, all hope is lost, I don't know why you came back. And through the power of love, she reminds Charles Wallace that she loves him, and that is enough for him to break free, and then they get tested Mm. out by the Mrs. Whatevers, um, because I guess they could do that the whole time. Um, um, They're back on Earth. So her, Calvin, Charles Wallace, her dad, they're back on Earth. Then Mom and the twins come down. Um, Oh, Calvin has already kissed Meg at this point on the tentacle beast uh, planet <laughs> so like it's a happy ending and that's it that's the so end it's already done yeah that's it <laughs> boom i just want to point out also that so meg is 13 and calvin is 14 but they keep like mentioning that calvin is several grades above her um and i'm like i don't think it means what you think it means <laughs> um i just i just want to point yeah. out that i never really understood what they were talking about well i think you did a good job like i will say you. hearing you talk about it i was like I'm not going to get too much into it until we get to our, you know, judgments and everything. But I remember this book a lot more than I remember other books. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so I will say it did spark some visual yes. uh, touchstones for me. Nice. I guess my first question is, what would your power be? Or like the gift that the three... <laughs> ladies give you 
Do you think like what would I actually want as a gift, or what do you think that they give no. me as like a backhand compliment? What you want. <laughs> yeah, back- yeah. Um, I would say they'd be like, "Laura, you're not afraid to look stupid." <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! I was about to say the same thing. They'd yeah. be like, "You know what? Your for your forgetfulness is your gift." It's yeah. just like because you just don't remember <laughs> how stupid and ugly you, you don't let anybody you don't let anything I'm- get you down. <laughs> Yeah, or they'd be like your hunger and tenacity. Yeah, and you're just that's like my it. literal physical hunger. Your hangriness, like, yes. your will to survive. <laughs> that's your gift. Use that. <laughs> yeah, um, I do. I I was thinking about this recently. Is that I feel like you know, like there's resting bitch face and stuff like that. I have resting yeah. blank face where truly, if I'm like resting, like I just look like super head empty. Like I look really. <laughs> really really dull <laughs> they're like well nothing's going on up there we're gonna there's just nothing <laughs> i look dead like i just don't look like anything my question is what do you think it means to be smart like what is this book saying is smarticles well that leads into one of my other questions oh, because of other things that i've been reading about i think it is fair to say that this book is touching on like neurodivergency because it yeah. is like these kids are different they don't learn the same way mm-hmm. then they're their question a lot of people like on the internet have been asking and someone wrote a literal like research paper on it is Ooh. is uh Charles Wallace or Meg or any of the characters uh do they represent like people who are on the spectrum yeah. in terms of like autism um and i definitely th- i think the way that i read it i was like yes yeah. because uh in the beginning meg is talking about how different she is and how difficult it is but how her parents always told her like you're not it's not bad. Mm-hmm. You just process things differently. And we know that you are as smart as the other kids because we secretly gave you tests as kids that were like little, I'm imagining like IQ yeah. or like hand-eye coordination, like benchmark tests. Mm-hmm. So, and sure, it could, like, they never outright say anything like that. Yes. They don't say neurodivergent. They don't say anything. They're just like, you are different and you learn differently mm-hmm. and you see the world differently. And it's like, Oh, Charles Wallace is even more different. Mm -hmm. That's why he can, like, they talk about how he can look at people and just read them differently than other kids, like, even more than Meg. Um, I already forgot your original question. I'm so sorry. What do you think, according to A Wrinkle in Time, like, the text, like, what do you think it means to be smart? What is it trying to tell us is, like, what smart is? I mean, I think it was trying to tell us maybe not telling us what intelligence is, mm-hmm. but it was saying, like, here's, here are protagonists and or characters, like, main characters mm-hmm. that are heroes and that aren't, that are neurodivergent. Yeah. That are, like, seen as outcasts. Yeah. And it's not just outcasts in physical, like, abilities mm-hmm. or anything, but, like, intelligence yeah. intelligence and emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think it was a very positive book in those regards of, like, yeah, development and, like, not, um necessarily developing on the same scale or same timeline as other people because Meg really struggles in school. Um, for one thing, she's dealing with this really hard family situation um, that makes it kind of mm-hmm. hard to focus. But also she she tutors Calvin in math and Calvin says he's really good more at the humanity stuff like literature and history mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and like, But Meg does not excel in her school's math classes because she doesn't learn her math the way they want her to. Um, which is just yeah. like, you know, it's that's always the struggle of like teaching is like, how do you give kids the tools they need to be able to solve problems? But like, um, and like how much is, is too much structure? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, 
personally, I think schools, mm-hmm. uh, grade schools specifically, on the one hand, of course, they are like institutions of like uh, intelligence and education, mm-hmm. but it's also like a form of socialization. Yes. And so when you have a bunch of kids mm-hmm. who all probably have different ways of learning, some are like auditory, mm-hmm. kinesthetic, visual learners, blah, 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 but you have to find some mold that like a one size fits all. Yes. And so, and she probably goes to a public school where it's like, hey, I have like 18 other classmates and my teacher, I mean, like, we can villainize the teacher, but most likely it's like this teacher does not have time to yeah. care about how Meg learns. And she's like, please just do this assignment. Mm-hmm. And then Meg's like, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, Which is a great parallel to how it, the evil big, big brain man, runs his little city, um, how they all have to conform. Mm-hmm. They all have to know their place and they all have to spell things exactly the right way. And they have to be exactly the same. It's. It's a parallel, isn't that? It's true. But also, damn, they straight up were like eugenics. Yeah, we definitely support that here on Camazot. Because they're just like they're just like, you know what, if you're if you can't do it right, you're eliminated. Yeah. And they're just like I don't remember the exact language they used, but it was plain as day, like if you do not have the strongest genes, mm-hmm. you do not get to live here. And like yeah. you are killed. Yeah, um, that's which is like, very much like the um, the oh. giver, in um, for them I don't think yeah. it, it wasn't so much about being perfect as it was about like population control and like not you know taking away the choice of right and wrong from people's brain <laughs> out of people's yeah. brains. But um, yeah, there's definitely a lot to be said there about the yeah conformity and also like is free will or is having no choice a happier existence and stuff like that. Um, which brings me to my next question is like I always like. One, I don't know if it's like a basic mindset to have, but you know, is it is having free will all that great? <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing: if we don't know that we don't have free will, mm-hmm. then it doesn't really matter, now, yeah. does it? Because the book sets up the dichotomy as like, okay, so there's conformity, there's not having choice, and there's not having any problems. Then, but what they don't have mm-hmm. is love, and what Meg has is love, and like that's what breaks and sets them apart. Um, before yeah. that point, though, they are very, very vague on what exactly. Like Coven says at one point, like, "No, we have a planet already, and it's better than this." And he doesn't, but he doesn't go into really why or like why he wants to go home or what exactly he doesn't like about Kamazot. So he doesn't, like, he doesn't go that deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very I simple. Mean, like, well, and it's also like free will, and obviously guiding by the choice of fear mongering yeah. because it's like those people in Kamazots are afraid Mm -hmm. and it's not like not only do we have free will but we know that if we step out of line we will be like killed Mm -hmm. which then we also get into the because also you know like it's it's a it's a dystopian it's like what if we lived on a planet where this was the case Mm -hmm. so then we have like 1984 and then compared to a brave new world and it's like Mm -hmm. ruling by fear versus ruling by pleasure whatever they're like they're blissful because they have no choices to make. I'm like, listen, it's not that bad. <laughs> doesn't sound that bad. Yeah. Like, that's one of the reasons why people are pro-school uniforms. I guess, yeah. that's Because it eliminates choices. And then it also reduces the chance of, uh, you know, like, bullying because mm-hmm. people don't dress the same or blah, 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 blah. I mean, it creates another level of elitism. There's pros and cons. That's, what, that's where saying. the giver is. Where, like, we're all on equal footing, so no one has more than the other, like... It's all related, basically, all these texts. Hey, it wasn't just the bouncing balls on, like, the street that scared me. It was that later on, the kid, Meg and the others, 
found that kid yes. inside central 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 intelligence and he was being punished by like bouncing the ball with time but he was being like shocked every time and i was like ah! yeah no they were he was being tortured yeah. and i was like oh my gosh and if he didn't bounce his ball uh along with yeah. a certain tempo or whatever they shocked him and he was crying yes um <laughs> that scared the hell out of me this is okay this is a scary book i have to say as a kid it really like yeah it was simple but that's all they needed to like scare me as a kid I don't know why, but, like, from the beginning, I really thought that Calvin was, like, had ulterior motives, but then he ends up not having them. But, like, at first, because he just went, he, like, one day meets Meg and Charles Wallace, like, at the park or something, and he just talks them up so good, and he's like, you guys are just special and different. I'm not going to hurt you. And I really, for a second, thought he was, like, one of the secretly it coming down to Earth to, like, persuade them. But it turns out he's actually just a good guy. But I'm also, like... I didn't like him. And then later on, because <clears throat> what I think is he just serves as the, like, the love interest yeah. for Meg. And then he also, and is, he's also, you know, the great communicator mm-hmm. for Charles Wallace. He's that extra person, so he doesn't have all these ulter- ulterior motives. But there was also a part where it's like, Meg has low self-esteem, and she's talking to him, and she's like, I'm an uggo. Yeah. And I wear glasses, and I'm ugly. And then she takes his gla- her glasses mm-hmm. off, and then Charles Wallace is like... Meg, you are stupid because you're the most beautiful person I've ever seen. And I don't think I want anyone to see you without your glasses yeah. on because that's like my mind to have. And I'm like, mine. Uh, it's so oh, gross. You just met this woman. And like, don't be so possessive. No, I think you said Charles Wallace at one point, but we were talking about Calvin the whole time. Oh, um, yes, I meant Calvin. Okay, cool. No, but uh, no, it was, I was like, this is gross. Uh, yucky. I mean, he is kind of like, I, he's. I agree that, like, his presence was, like, really not needed a lot of the time. And he was there kind of to be a voice of reason because, like, Charles Wallace is a voice of reason, but he's also six. So, like, eh. Um, <laughs> and um, he had to, had to yeah. he had to balance Meg out a bit because, I don't know, his communication came in handy, yeah, with, like, getting through to Charles Wallace. But also, I think there was a moment where when the tentacle beasts came in, they were kind of not sure if Meg and... Um, the dad and him were like a threat or not. And Calvin was able to talk to mm-hmm. them. And like, also there's the happy medium at some point um, who can like see into a crystal ball and show them things that are so far away. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, she's in this story. Um, I think they did need a third character for them to go, but yeah, other than, yeah. he didn't do much. <laughs> like, no, I'm not saying that he shouldn't exist, right. but I am saying at least with this character introduction, yeah. I was like, this guy's sus as fuck. Yeah. Like, this guy's working for the other side, I'm Absolutely. pretty sure, but he wasn't. No, no. I think because he came out, he was such a nice person, yeah. and he had, like, no flaws. Or, I, I don't know, I guess, not no flaws. Like, we he, we go to the seer mm-hmm. in the crystal ball, and then they show his family, and they're like, and he's like, I care so much for my family, and my family doesn't give a fuck about yeah. me. Which... I think just plays into this idea of he like they put him on a pedestal and I'm like okay he doesn't need to be that good like okay. you know what I guess I just don't like him. no I I don't either um also he everybody like Meg and Calvin and everybody comments on how beautiful her mom is and I'm like what is it about having your mom be beautiful oh, yeah. Calvin's like my mom's ugly and I'm like your mom doesn't have to be beautiful <laughs> what's going on here what if your mom's just sometimes your mom's loving. just your mom yeah um. I don't know. My final question is, is Meg a relatable character? Which is, it's hard. I, okay, I'll save my struggles to relate to her. Is that, okay. you know, she's very insecure and she acts very unreasonably a lot of the time. And she is 13. Um, 
So as a adult, it was kind of hard to like connect. But can I guess can you empathize more easily with a thirteen year old? My overall answer is yes. I do think cool. that she is relatable. Yeah. Um, and I think one of her fatal flaws you see is like her anger and her like rigidity. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it plays into the fact that she's neurodivergent, but like, I like, they kind of go into it, but like she has book smarts, but she doesn't always have street smarts. Mm-hmm. Like once she feels something, she gets like overcome with anger. Yeah. And sometimes that's her superpower because then like when she's face to face with it and it's trying to infiltrate her mind mm-hmm. because she's so angry, it, like it creates a barrier or whatever. But I do agree later in the book when she's like railing on her dad for leaving behind Charles Wallace, mm-hmm. it gets a little repetitive yeah. and you're like, okay, bro, like give me some levels here. Like, sure. Give, give me some, some sort of understanding. But I guess that's just not who her character is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do think that she is relatable. Okay, cool. I think, um, cause like, yeah, I'm like trying to like, you know, balance the compassion for her. Cause like she's 13, she's reunited with her dad and she, like, this is in the text, too, is that she thought once she found her dad that he would take care of everything and, like, she wouldn't have to make any more decisions and, like, um, it would all, like, be okay once they met that goal and, like, everything got worse after that. Um, so in one in one way, it is... Um, that's part of the coming-of-age story is that, you know, like, we've talked about that before where um, she learns to make her own decisions and she learns that she can't always fall back on the things that she counted on as a kid. But, yeah, I think at the beginning... Um, it is frustration I felt, but also just like sympathy because she felt she feels so poorly about herself. And I'm just like, Meg, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> it's gonna be all right. Um, yeah, don't pay any mind to children. <laughs> um, yeah, children are hoes. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, oh, and she's got, she's the oldest child. Um, someone needs to protect her. Just not Kelvin. He's weird. Well, okay. My final question is, like, what actually does defeat? it the brain because i was also like it's the power of love (laughs) right because that's what she she has this whole spiel she's like it as charles wallace Mm -hmm. is like trying to infiltrate her brain and like break her down and everything and she's just like she's like i close my eyes and i just scream charles wallace i love you and like and that like it is it's the most powerful thing in the world and that's how they're able to escape but in the afterward which is the granddaughter talking about like giving context yeah. to the book she specifically says that she's like my grandmother hated the idea that like love is the most powerful thing uh-huh. and i was like well then why did you write that as the ending so i was like is there something i miss is like oh the power of love not the solution because do you remember reading that in the afterward? i do yeah uh vaguely i don't know and i was trying to think i'm like y'all are not the only people who love each other in this whole universe <laughs> like there's gotta be yeah. other people <laughs> Who have, like, tried to resist and have thought about people they loved. I don't know. Listen, I'm call me crazy, but I feel like they would have... It, it might have encountered that at some point. But, um... Yeah. Also, it's... You're like, like, I feel like it was a little human supremacist. Yeah. So... Also, like, yeah, it is wild that, like, on this central central intelligence place, like, those are human beings. Like, it, they just... They just say they're people. Whereas, like, these other places have these strange creatures. And I don't think... Like, that they have defeated it as a whole. I think they just freed Charles Wallace and then went home and that's it. Um, so they won the battle, but did they win the war? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's what the time quartet, it's it's like we've won yes. the battle, now it's time to go to war. Okay, I was skimming um, the quintet synopses and they just get really wild. Like, there are, like, angels and stuff involved. Um, the oh. fourth book is about just the twins. Um, and they both, like, fall in love with the same person and there's, like... 
Noah and his stuff involved. Oh, oh, <laughs> Like, oh. every book after that is named after a Bible verse. Like, it just gets wilder and wilder. <laughs> no! Oh, oh, I'm sorry, but that sounds... No. It's <laughs> just... That's just no. so funny to me. Um, did you also read in the afterword that... Um, she got, like, Langle drew criticism because in the later books, um, Meg didn't, she just became, like, a, like, a stay-at-home mom, <laughs> um, instead of, like, pursuing her own career or anything, and people were like, that's not feminist, and she was like, I think it's true to who Meg is, and I'm like, on the one hand, yes. You're like, well. On the one hand, it's her life or choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, on the, I guess, you know, as the author, you, arguing for the character you wrote, uh, we don't really have any ground to stand on here, but I guess. We're just a little disappointed. Exactly. <laughs> and I will say, like, I mean, I, I, yeah, I haven't read any of the other books in the series, but I, the ending to this book, I found a little lackluster. Yeah. It's just over. <laughs> and now it sounds like I shouldn't read after that. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all my questions. Okay, let's go into takeaways and judgments because I have. I have a lot. A big one. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say mine real quick. I I don't know. I, not much of a takeaway, mostly a judgment. Mm-hmm. I could do with less Jesus stuff. <laughs> and I do think, like, I liked this book. Yeah. And I, I think there should be a special shelf in bookstores where, um, sorry to cut you off, where it's Christian fantasy, mm. right? Because this is Christian fantasy. Like, what, the... Uh, the Lion Witch of the Wardrobe is Christian fantasy, kind of, and like, sure. Um, yeah. So is the the Golden Compass in a way, and um, yeah. I mean that one's kind of an- I, I don't know, but it counts essentially. And um, there's one more that I was thinking of, but like, um, where it's like you know is all secretly Jesus. <laughs> but I think that like some of those stories still hold yeah. up, and I would argue that this one does. Yeah. Where again, yeah, it's like there's. There's alliteration and allegories yeah. and like allude like it alludes to Jesus yes. or Christianity or God. But there's still like if you strip all of that away, there's still a story. Like yeah. it's not so intertwined. Mm-hmm. And I mean I would argue I would argue that uh The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and like again, it can be heavy handed, but there's yes. still a story there. And I would say that is the case with this right. one too, personally. Um I think it's in inter- I think it's really interesting blend of science and christian it's just like this is like the christian science fantasy blend for young adults like yes. that is a weird mix for kids to digest right um it is very mm-hmm. overtly jesus i will say and um but also like the science stuff is fun um because they talk about emc squared mm-hmm. and the dimension stuff like that stuck with me as a kid like as a kid i was like i get that like that makes sense and like that's always um stood out to me in that book that's the extent of it though um I don't think there are many books that you're required to read in high school, middle school that do venture into sci-fi fantasy necessarily. Well, and I, I agree. Like I was reading a review about this and it was a review of praise and they were like, uh, Langle doesn't like talk down to mm-hmm. her readers when she's talking about the science, fi- science stuff. Yeah. And like, it helps that her characters are also kids. Yeah. And so some, she, and she has like Calvin, who's you're like fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Um, like writing technique where you can explain things within the story without like totally just exposition dumping. Yeah. But you know, I would agree. Yeah. She talks about like a tesseract and she talks about uh like mm-hmm. time travel and, or like these high concepts and the wrinkle. And she's just like, and you're going to understand this. And like, I do not need to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. So that I do. I liked, but yeah, like there's a moment where they're tessering through the first time mm-hmm. with, uh, miss who's it. 
no, Miss What's It Who and Which or whatever yeah. their names are, and like they pass by another universe mm-hmm. and ma- with making a bunch of noises, and Meg's like, "What are those noises?" And then one of the people is like, "Ah, oh, like I don't know how to form it in your language, mm-hmm. but Charles Wallace, can you try? Because you kind of know how to like." He's, like, all-knowing and can somehow just sense it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can translate it. And it turns out they're just singing, like, a hymn. And they're like, glory to God, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's what they're singing on another universe? What a coincidence. All right. <laughs> I, I'm conflicted because, like, yeah, I don't like the Christian stuff. But I love the science stuff. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's not simple, you know what I mean? I wanted to say, uh, so this is kind of in relation to Meg as a character. Like, maybe as, like, in some regards, she is unlikable as a character. But um, as you mentioned, she's like, that doesn't mean she's not relatable. And um, yeah. I think that it's like really awesome character development. She learns to make decisions for herself or like to that she can't always lean on the things she used to. But also she learns um, just that very, you know, that very obvious lesson of like her flaws can help her. Other takeaways and judgments. Um, there are, okay, a lot of those literary references, like there's Mrs. Who or whatever, she she only speaks in quotes of yeah. the human language because it's hard for her to verbalize. So like, like it's a book that an adult can enjoy. Like it's not dumbed down for kids or for, it's not also like dumbed down for adults either. Yeah. You know, I think even the first sentence is itself a reference to um, something else. So A Dark and Stormy Night um, is actually, it's a... Uh, it's from an 1830 novel, Paul Clifford. It was a dark and stormy night. But it's just been mocked for, like, being a really, really cliche way to start a book. And it's just in, like, tons and tons of books since then. So, um, this I feel like this is, like, the kind of, like, class where you read this book and then you come in. Um, and then the teacher makes you discuss should uniforms should schools have uniforms or should they not like they try to get you to be really moral about it and like explain your reasoning and stuff and like and you like hate it (laughs) i did at least um i remember we did that with great gatsby and we like she made us divide in the class on like cheating is never okay and cheating is sometimes okay um and people made fun of us because me and my at the time boyfriend were both on the cheating is okay side (laughs) cheating is okay Actually, no, it wasn't even, that wasn't what the discussion was about. You know what? Never mind. I went off for no reason, essentially. You're like, you know what? I was just telling my then boyfriend that cheating was okay. (laughs) This is actually all about us at the time. You know what? Um, Yeah. We actually divided the whole class. Just, I just. Ourselves. I did this. I made the teacher do this for us just so I could tell my boyfriend what my true thoughts were about cheating. That cheating was okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, so, okay, yeah. Just conformity, feminism, you know. Why would you read this in class? I know, because your teacher likes you. And it's wants fun. You to, yeah, because it's freaking fun. It's fun. It's cute. Uh, and I do feel like this is, yeah, I, I would say this is for, like, the grade school. Yeah. I would imagine this you're reading this in grade school and not, like, middle school where they're having you do discussions. And it's more like, here's entertainment. Mm-hmm. But it does get he- hella heavy. Because yeah. it is just like, here's some entertainment and also eugenics. Yes. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. Think about it. I would give this, out of 10, uh, it's a 5 for me. I'm pretty split. Plot is pretty weak. Um, As I mentioned, a lot of the time, they're just stumbling through and, like, happen to either be whisked away to the place they need to be or they just end up there by happenstance. Um, And Meg's, okay, so Meg's ultimate decision to go from the place with the really nice, nice smelling tentacle (laughs) creatures back to go to get (laughs) Charles Wallace. She's crying the whole time because she's so, so scared. Um... She's like she's been brushed by the evil and like been parallel, 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 paralyzed, parallelized. 
paralyzed. She's been parallelogrammed. So she <laughs> she had this brush with like <laughs> God damn it. She got she's had this brush with death. Um and she says, like, I see now I'm the only one I have to I'm the only one who could bring Charles Wallace back. Um that is just a very dramatic moment. I just think it could have been stronger. It could have been more impactful with some room to breathe or some nuance. All these fucking rules about what the Mrs. Whatever's can, can and cannot do and when and when they cannot or can't help them or see them or whatever. Because, like, um, they're the ones who got them out of the planet at the very last second. So it's like, what? The, <laughs> couldn't you not do that before? It's all frustrating and a bit contrived, is what I would say. I'm going to say a 7 out of mm-hmm. 10. It's a scary book, mm. and so, and I think maybe because I've seen the movie, like, those visuals have stayed mm. with me, and so, like, I remember the scene in the movie where it's, like, they first get to Camazot, and they see their row of houses, mm-hmm. all the kids, and, like, that is, just for me, visually, like, has stayed with me, and I think it is, because it's a kid's book, and it is just, like, actually scary, and it doesn't shy away from, like, pure, bleak, mm. like, kids are getting, like, it's messed up, but, like, the kid getting tortured by bouncing the ball and, like, electroshocking mm-hmm. him. I was just like, that's scary as fuck, but I do remember yeah. that. However, I agree, especially, like, if I'm reading this aloud to a kid or many kids or whatever, I'm a, I'm a do a quick pre-read <laughs> and just cross out all the Jesus stuff and then just, yeah. like, continue to read it. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm going to do that. And that's why I'm like, it's not a 10. I was going to say, I do wonder, I don't have a clear memory either, like, one way or the other, but I wonder if my teacher ever censored the book she read us. As a very Christian text, I would say maybe it's not the best to read today in school. Think about it. Think about it. I will go first. Um, speaking of books for kids that I read as an adult that did scare Mm. me, I would recommend, um, The Book of Lost Things by John Connolly. I remember reading this, uh, I want to say I was, like, in high school, maybe early college, and I was listening to it while I did puzzles, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, late at night, and, like, there's just some, it did scare me. It's, like, this kid whose mom is haunting him, and then he, like, dives into this ghost Mm -hmm. world and like it fucks up his life so that's my recommendation so if you're looking for christian fantasy stuff i would recommend the golden compass by um philip pullman and um the trilogy and stuff like that because yeah that is all based on like god and christianity and stuff but it's an interesting take and they kill god at the uh, spoiler but they kill god at the end um and they kill (gasps) death at the end it's like it's an interesting one i've heard that like him and the author of the lion witch the wardrobe have like beef because like they have very, obvi- like, very, you know, conflicting views on Christianity and stuff like that. So, mm, um, yeah. But also, I was going to recommend that in terms of sci-fi for kids, I would recommend you read Animorphs, The Invasion, a.k.a. Applicate, because it's a wild ride. Oh. Let's do our Bone Zone episodes if you want to hear our hot take on every single chapter, every single moment, every single look. Yeah, no, that's another one where I am just, like, for a kid's book, I wasn't expecting it to get yeah. that hard, but it did. <laughs> Yeah, that one, the science mm. is out the window. This one, the science is on point. Um, yeah, so what are you currently reading and what have you read since last time? Uh, I'm currently reading Here For It or How to Save Your Soul in America Essays by R. Eric Thomas. It is a memoir. I'm listening to it. Um, and that will be my 100th book <gasps> for the year. Wow! And then I don't know if you heard, but after that, I'm like fucking quitting reading further. Just kidding. But I'm not going to set a goal. So that's very exciting. Can I say that I inspired you? Can I just tell people that? Yes, you most certainly did. 
And I think since last time, we I finished the invasion, mm-hmm. um, Animorphs number one. Uh, I read Nocturnal, which is a book of a chat book mm. by Wilder. Um, I listened to Less by Andrew Seen Greer, which I'm not gonna lie, I didn't really enjoy as much as I thought I would. Mm. Um, Here There Be Gerblins, which is the first installment of a graphic novel. Uh, based on a D&D campaign by the McElroy brothers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, for their podcast, The Adventure Zone, and then A Wrinkle in Time, and that cool. is it. What about you, Laura? Um, I'm currently reading nothing. Since last time, I've read <laughs> The Invasion, um, <laughs> and I'm going out of A Wrinkle in Time, but in the middle, I read the entirety of Heart of the Sun Warrior by Su Lin Tan. No spoilers, but that is the mm-hmm. sequel to Daughter of the Moon Goddess. I loved it. I thought it was a very fantastic ending. I was crying. Um, ugh, it was so good. I'm so happy, and I'm ready to... Um, I've, I was wiped out that because I read it in a day, and I knew I was going to. I was waiting for like the next time I had 24 hours to like read a book, um, <laughs> and I did, and I feel awesome about that choice. Uh and oh yeah i'm like so i'm out of grad school forever and um woohoo after i'm done traveling i'm really hoping to like get back into it um i will also i will again this year not be setting a reading goal because i've read 42 books this year so far and um like that's a lot (laughs) like without having tried to go for a goal like and i've already done a goal or a challenge yeah and i'm just yeah i'm just ready to read books that i want to read I I 100%. Obviously, I support you because I'm following in your footsteps, so. Okay, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. So what we will say is, if you would like to contact us, you can, we have an email and a Twitter. Um, and I will have you, Laura, spell out both okay, of those. Okay, I, Laura, I'm about to spell out our listeners. email. It's reading, not reading at gmail.com. R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. I think I spelled that right. And the Twitter is, as far as long as Twitter lasts, it's at sign read that read pod. Oh my gosh. At sign R-E-A-D-N-O-T. R-E-A-D-P-O-D. Woo! I was so happy to say those words for you guys. Um, so yeah, come at us Yippee. and email us nicely. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess if Twitter dies... Listen, we will prevail. <laughs> I don't know. We might get an Instagram. It's the end of the season, so things might be a changing. But, you know, it's not like we were really popping off on Twitter anyway, so... Uh. Um, other things, we also have a bookshop. Okay, well, bookshop.org is um, a bookselling website where you can get books at... Um, slightly subsidized prices, but your purchases support indie bookstores. And when you use our specific, special, cool affiliate link, then your purchase also gives us 10% commission so we can keep the lights on for our hordes of assistance and our many, 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 many bills (laughs) for keeping this boat afloat. And then other things, we have a website where you can uh, access all of our back catalog, Mm -hmm. um, which also has links to our bookshop as well as uh, our social medias. Um, we also have bonus episodes, which we mentioned, uh, this year we read, uh, Animorphs, The Invasions, chapter by chapter throughout the entire mm-hmm. year. We finally finished. Character beat glorious. by character beat. <laughs> and that can also be found on our website. And we also just want to say thank you so much for yeah. persevering with us for three seasons. And here's to a fourth. You know? Oh my god, we're entering um, our quartet year. 
Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so happy um, to keep doing this with you. It's super fun. Laura. Yeah, no, I'm well, and I will say um, we have some things in the works for season mm-hmm. four. We'll see what happens, but we're really excited. Yeah, we are. Uh, we will see you next year uh, in the year of 2023, where we will read Frindle by Andrew Clements and Brian Selznick. Woo! Or maybe it's, I mean, Andrew Clements' name is much bigger on the title, so maybe oh, okay, it's just yeah. Him. Well, we'll figure that out by next year. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, see you <laughs> see next, you next year. year, lol. Bye. Thank you.